Welcome to Not Everything Sucks with Andrew. Uh, we're so glad to be hanging out again on another Thursday evening, yes. and I am really excited to have Miss Taylor Waits hanging out with us. Yes. Taylor, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks, Andrew. <laughs> Taylor is, um, among a lot of things, yes. um, an academic, a researcher. Yes. Um, she serves as the current Miss UTSA, um, a former president of the the Black Student Leadership Council yes. uh, job, <laughs> at UTSA. Yes. Um, what don't you do? Sleep. That's <laughs> really, sleep and take care of myself. That's really it. But those are really the, I just like to do things that I have a really big passion for. Things that I can find in my area that I could do. So yeah. Um, we, uh, have been talking a little bit before, before hanging out with y'all and, um, I, we're in for such, a, a, an amazing time together. Um, the only downside is I hear you're not the biggest fan of avocados. No, uh, but we're going to cook these. <laughs> we're going to cut them up. I'm going to touch them and I'm going to have a great time. <laughs> I'm going to touch them and no mas. No, I'll eat, I'll eat. And I'll have a great time. Y'all don't even need to worry about it. It's going to be great. Okay, so we're going to make avocado parm. Um, we have two avocados. They're rather large. Yes. We have shredded Parmesan cheese, uh, basil, lime juice, salt. This is going to be an easy one. I'm excited. This, I, is, this is a simple one. We're about to whip Laid it up. back. I'm ready. We're talking diversity and inclusion. Before we get into that... Um, Tell us a little bit about you. About me? Yes. Okay, so I feel like uh, whenever someone says that, I'm like, my name's Taylor. I'm a communication major from Houston, Texas. Like, I feel like you have like the whole like spiel. But to be like a human, um, I'm from Houston. I go to the University of Texas at San Antonio. I'm the current Miss UTSA there. Um, I'm very active and very passionate about things such as race, diversity. I'm the external vice president of NAACP, the UTSA NAACP on campus. Um, I'm a research assistant helping with searching for African-American vernacular. And then my research interest, what I'm trying to go into now, is studying how the rhetoric that we teach to black students in high school, how it affects their experience. And overall, I want to open up my own high school to try and reduce those amounts of negative experiences that we have. So yeah, that's a little bit about me and what I like. I like purple, I love dogs. Have you ever cut an avocado? I have! You cut you cut it like this okay. in half and then you uh -huh. let the, I'm looking at Carla, I'm like the seed. <laughs> then you open it up and then there's the seed and there's the other half of the avocado. I did a terrible job explaining it, but you know what I mean. <laughs> so um, let's do this. Okay. I'm ready. All right, here we go. Um, don't, please don't cut yourself. Oh no. Um, I don't want to do that. We, uh, we're talking about, oh my God, my avocado just split on me. This is, this is a very interesting avocado. I'm kind of curious to see what's inside of it. Oh my God, it's like an octopus in the avocado. <laughs> <laughs> like okay. Ah! You don't even, look at that. It just came right out. Yes. Oh, that's what you do? Well, no, you, you can, I, I'll do it. I've had some practice over the past few weeks. Right. Okay. Taylor, what is diversity and inclusion yeah. and what's the difference? So diversity is having those different people that don't look like you or having people of different perspectives in the room. 
and inclusivity is taking taking the minute, taking the actual opportunity to have their voices number one, their experience, their perspectives, their voices mm-hmm. to be held to the same you know level of importance as everyone else in the room, and then actually hearing them using those perspectives using those ideas and valuing them which actually brings into the the tune of inclusivity we were talking about earlier the difference between equality and equity Mm -hmm. and equality is yes everybody's going to get the same amount of water from the same cup we're all going to have the same but equity is understanding that there's one person in the room who hasn't had water for weeks and they're going to need a little bit more water than everyone else and it might need to come in a bigger cup and it's not necessarily meaning that they're better than anyone in the room, but that they, in a sense, get the same by getting what they're owed, by getting so that they're at the same playing field. Um, it's seeing that not everybody starts off at the same playing field and making it so that we can all be on the same kind of playing field. And that's what inclusivity is, is making sure everybody's on the same playing field. Can we buckle up for a second? Yes. Let's buckle up. There are individuals in our, in our world that have sat at the table mm-hmm. in that more diminished spot where they where they have had further to go to right. be that equal place. Yeah. And they have been extremely successful in going that extra that extra mile in in, in being successful in their own right. Right. And a not a common theme but a theme that we hear a lot right. is well, I did it. Yeah. If I can do it, anyone can do it. What's holding you back? What's What's going on with you? What what, what do you say to that? I mean, how do we deal with that? I use my father as an amazing example. My father is the president of a cybersecurity company and has owned many companies by himself and is a hugely successful black man. Mm -hmm. Coming from, of course, adverse kind of backgrounds, coming from a family of, of six. You know, being very poor to coming to coming, you know, kind of the American dream kind of story. He he made it all the way through, didn't finish college, got this job, met these people. And now he's hanging out with the likes of these amazing cyber tech geniuses. And a lot of the times people will be like, well, why aren't there 20? You know, because you did it. Obviously, you came from the worst experience possible. So there is no excuse as to why other people shouldn't. And my dad is always someone who's in charge you know someone who's in the business of helping minorities in cybersecurity mm-hmm. and in sci- and you know and in sciences and things like that he consistently says it was the time and the place it was the context he was the only dude in the room that knew how to work when computers were the size of the room sure you know what i mean so of course being the one guy who knows how to work this humongous thing mm-hmm. and then just from pure luck and his hard work got him to the point to where he is and of course we have those that success story you could take oprah or any other successful kind of person as an example sure. but something that i feel like people sometimes don't understand it isn't the context and, and kind of how that person came to be. A lot of the times, those per- people are in the right place in the right time. If Oprah was Oprah now, I'm pretty sure she wouldn't be as successful as she is. But because she started when she did, because she came from where she was, because she knew the producers that she did, because she had the personality that was needed at that time, mm. she got there just like that. And something else that people don't understand is there's a lot of people breaking ceilings, but they close it behind them before they let anybody <laughs> else in. That happens. A let lot. me fix this. Let, right. let me. Okay. I'm <laughs> through it, but now let's close it. Up. They don't. They kind of. 
kind of feel a lot of people pride themselves in being the only one in the room or we've got one we've got the cool we've got the cool hispanic we've got the cool black and so they don't want to lose that privilege of being that one person in the room i get to get whatever i want a lot of people want to have interviews with me and want to talk to me because i'm so special so if i start letting all my friends in who are just as qualified then i'm going to lose that privilege and i'm not going to be able to be the coolest one in the room and so that's a lot of the other things success will come but success is not truly success if there's not people standing up there with you if you're not bringing your friends up there with you so i think it's just uh, a mix of understanding that we have barriers to break and once you break them you shouldn't stop there you shouldn't be like well the barrier is broken i've done what i need to do let me make my money and go and the other part is really understanding that a lot of these success stories a lot of these things that are coming out of these people these ordinary people kind of being successful that that is true they're ordinary people and they're successful but they're in the right place at the right time and they probably have you know 10 times as more hard work effort than you while you're sitting there on the couch wondering why isn't that me you know i came from the same place i you know sure. the same thing should be happening to me so it's not necessarily it should be an encouragement that you can do it and less of a well they're just as regular as me so why isn't it happening to me it should be more of a motivation to try and see what kind of barriers you you can break in the areas that you work in or that you're influent influential in i guess if that's the right word i think so <laughs> yeah, influential. we're gonna take the avocados mm -hmm. and we're going to slice them in delicately okay in their shell um okay. so we don't want to uh to cut through the shell right okay. um so we'll slice them vertically and then horizontally okay these are like those videos have you ever seen those like they're like um, satisfaction videos, <laughs> and they like cut the soap into all those different shapes, and then they pop it out, and I'm like, yes. <laughs> it just feels good. That's what I needed. <laughs> exactly that. Okay. After cutting them or d really dicing them inside of the, of the shell, right. um, we're going to salt them, uh, splash some lime juice on them, uh, then put the parmesan cheese on them which makes them avocado parm yes and uh, then put some spice on them okay cool um taylor yes we have something that is widely held to counteract counteract a, a wrong in our country right mm -hmm. it, it's it's known as mandated mm -hmm. or required diversity mm -hmm. right <laughs> quota diversity right i think that the the most prevalent form of this is found in affirmative action yeah um what is right mm -hmm. with quota diversity yeah what is wrong with quota diversity yeah i think um if you're really really into this kind of stuff and kind of seeing the the background and kind of the history of it you should definitely do your research on it because you'll find out so many reasons as to why people want to fill a quota or as to why we need black people in this room right now sure. or as to why we need these different types of people so if you really want to dive into it i think you should definitely take a chance to kind of look it over mm -hmm. but the good part about it is the is the idea that's supposed to be behind it that we want to bring we want to force people who don't want these people in the workplace to have to hang out with them ha have them integrated into office to not only open up the employer's mind but mm -hmm. open up the company open up the fellow employees to the idea of having 
new perspectives, new ideas, new values, and all these different types of things going on within the company. That's the positive of it if, but the only, the negative side of it is no one really thinks of it, you know, that way. Rarely are things that are made for the intention of something, do they really actually follow through with that true intention? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times the negative of it is people kind of see it as quantity over quality. And people will kind of instill people to have people in the room for the sake of saying they have those people in the room. But once again, with inclusivity, mm -hmm. are those people valued? When they have concerns about the company or about things that are going wrong, are those concerns actually being voiced? Or are they mm -hmm. allowed to be voiced in public? Are they taken as serious and dealt with expediently? Or are they put on the back burner? It's really when those people actually end up showing up that you can prove whether or not you actually want to have an inclusive environment or whether or not you're just trying to be diverse, whether or not you're trying to get your pamphlet to have as many colors on it as you can, or whether or not you actually want your business to run based off of the fact that you want everybody in this community, everybody in this company to feel like their values are being shared and to feel like they, they are valued at that company. You should have that idea in mind whenever we have these quota mandated kind of things. Now, of course, we have things like federally funded programs, yep. which I'm a part of as um, you know, in UTSA. We have things like TRIO programs, which when given to the right people who are amazing at UTSA, they can really flourish and actually have the settings of what those programs are supposed to be actually happening. I'm so happy that my university actually does that. So those are the positive things as well as when you're kind of forced to have diversity programs. If you give them to people who really value inclusivity, then they can take it to the whole nother, another place and really give people what they need. But if you just kind of have it as a substitute to make sure that the people that you kind of need on the on the pamphlet to make it look cute are there, then it's it's not the same. It's it's different. It becomes nefarious kind of in that point. Do we still need affirmative action? Is this something that if it was taken away from our society, we right. would be worse off? I mean, I think personally, I think having something in all sort of bylaws that includes like an inclusivity statement, a diversity statement, mm -hmm. and a sort of council or federally funded you know, group to make sure that you're treating your employees of different colors the same that you're treating everybody else. I think mm -hmm. there needs to be check and balance, checks and balances. I think that if we had something that double, you know, there obviously are things that are in place, but sure. if there were more people or more kind of institutions mm -hmm. that when they saw a company and saw that it was all kind of looking the same, mm -hmm. if that's all it took for that entity to be like, well, your company's going to go out of business unless mm -hmm. you have these types of people there, sure. then you get programs like affirmative action. Then of course they're going to put them in there because I have selfish reasons for wanting this because I don't want yeah. my company to close down. Sure. So you have that kind of negative kind of thing as you're forcing people to have diversity, which is kind of good, but if you're not actually, if they actually don't value those people at all, you're kind of doing a negative, ser negative service, not only to the company, because they're not really getting to get the full effect of diversity and inclusion, and to those people that are supposed to be the receiving the benefits from said program. So if there was a way to make it so that the employer or the institution, the company did not feel forced, if there was a way to once again, kind of like I was saying before, is break the habit of the person who is in charge of thinking that they do not need diverse people in their workplace, 
that would be the issue that I would want to be handled. Those people before they get to those places should have training and understand how much of a benefit it, it could come to their company by having people who don't look like them be on their board. If they're already made it to the point that they're at and they don't think that they need people that look differently than them and then the government comes in and says you do, that's not gonna change their mind about those people. Sure. It's not gonna make them not think that those people are bad or once again gonna think that they're a burden because now I have to have you here. Mm. But I wanna combat the issue of the person in charge not already having that idea in their head when they became the head of this company to not think that diversity and inclusion is a good thing. So that's what I wish a government agency could kind of <laughs> hit on and kind of get that fact instead of trying to discuss kind of like di trying to help us with the problem. But instead, you're doing a disservice to the company sure. as well as to the people that it's supposed to be serving because now they're a burden or now they're seen as a burden to not only the company heads but to the other people in the company and now they're treated differently they don't want to work there so if we had something that could combat the issue the actual systemic issue at hand which is the fact that people can get, can rise to these levels of power without thinking that other people that don't look like them are important mm -hmm. we need to handle that not just kind of supplementing the after the fact and just by putting people in place kind of our avocados are prepped and they ready to go. Really good. It, it, it's not bad. Are, do you just eat it like out the avocado? We will, but okay. first we're gonna cook it. Okay, cool. <laughs> I was like, so we're just about to dive so in. So we got we got our broiler going in the oven. Yes. Um, we're gonna stick these guys in for six minutes. Okay, cool. So if we're in our conversation and you see me dive down, right? We just need to get these puppies out. I mean, I'm glad because if you would have said seven minutes, I would have said slow your roll. <laughs> Correct. Um, these are gonna go in yes. very carefully. Be careful with them. Okay, and all right. We'll, <laughs> we'll be back. Let me help you clean up. Okay, so we have two people. Mm -hmm. One person is black, one person is white. Yeah. They're vying for a job. Mm -hmm. Okay. And we'll use job as an example. It could be anything, scholarship, opportunity, whatever. But they're, they're, they're both applying for a job. Um, all things said equal, the white person is more qualified for this position yeah. than the black person. Mm -hmm. And when it comes down to the decision being made, it's the black person that gets the job. Right. Okay. This is, this is a, a simple situation that a lot of people believe is rampant in our country. Yeah. Right. This is, this is happening all, all the, the time. time yeah. um, and, and, for, and for good reason, just looking at that situation, I mean, it, it's, it's, it makes people angry. Yeah. Like that, that is neither fair nor right. just nor right nor anything. Mm -hmm. um, what do you say to that? Where does diversity and inclusion come in right. in that situation? Yeah, I think it's the same with kind of what I said previously, which is you got to look at the context of the situation. So once again, you've got to look at the the motives of the people who are choosing this person. So okay. you don't know necessarily if they want them for their skin color, if they want them because of their background. Mm -hmm. We want people who are less. We want people who are less from Texas and more people who are from this area. It could be based on the fact that the people who are in the room simply want to, you know, a different change. We're trying to go to a different kind of motive. So, and also if you do the research behind it, it's not necessarily that every black person who applies for a scholarship and you just happen to be white, that you're just automatically going to be put to the bottom because we'd rather just take the black person. Um, and so I think to kind of help yourself go through the situation, like I said, it's a, con it's a context issue. Mm -hmm. That black person may have the same qualifications as that other person, mm -hmm. but you kind of have to look at 
how it is that they got there. Sure. So if that person grew up in a family of, let's say my, my father's kind of instance, let's say he's applying for a scholarship, and he has six brothers and sisters, let's say the, the white individual also has six brothers and sisters, he grew up below the poverty line, the white person also grew up below the poverty line, mm-hmm. and all these other kind of things. So they're basically the exact same. These two people have come from the same, what, what could this be? And I think it's important to understand that being from a community that's that's definitely and most of the time, actually all the time, marginalized, mm-hmm. it will make a huger impact to have that one person in your program mm-hmm. than it will necessarily to have that other person in their program. Not necessarily saying that that person can't create a you know the same impact for the world, but that person is not only impacting the 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 program and bringing resources there and a different perspective but that person is now changing how their kids are going to grow up and how their kids and how their kids are going to grow up a really good example of it for me has mm-hmm. always been the obamas i have never in my life believed that i could be the president because why would i ever think that it's not something that we talked about it's not something that i've ever seen come true mm-hmm. and when that man won it clicked in my little black head that i could do it mm-hmm. now what now a lot of people may say well he met he he won based on his complexion he won because he was black and that's what we needed yeah you're right we did hell yeah <laughs> we needed somebody that could prove to me someone for their entire life could never think that i could ever have this certain profession that by doing what he did by be, and he was someone who also is an amazing individual, has amazing credentials, mm-hmm. and probably lined up next to that other person, probably would have got the scholarship from him. You know what I mean? Simply because sure. of his complexion. Because he sure. won based on the fact that he's cool, but he's also black. Yeah. And he didn't take that experience and see it as, well, I'm the token black guy. Now I've got to be that person. Sure. Now I've got to take it. And, you know, I've ruined this experience for this other person. I'm going to squander this. Yeah. He took it took it at the time in the context and he changed the world him and his family and Mm -hmm. changed how my family views politics and views the government and views how everything is and i feel like that's the easiest way to put it into words there may have been somebody that was more qualified than obama there may be someone who maybe knew the specs more than Obama, but Obama being in office created waves of change for people, for babies and children and generations after Obama Mm -hmm. that that person would have never done. And putting him in the place at that time with the resources that they could have gotten thus changed the entire spectrum, the entire turnout of the world, you know what I mean? And to be, we kind of were talking about it otherwise, to be that person that's in that place it's not like you don't know that those things exist. I've been the token black in a lot of in a lot of situations. I know that I've taken the opportunity from some very very well off white people who probably are way smarter than me, which is something I tell my professors all the time. There's people there that are probably smarter than me that come from better families that have more resources. But my professors always tell me you're the one who needs to be there because you're the one who needs to prove to other people and especially to yourself and to your sisters and to your brothers that they can do it too. Mm. It's not necessarily that you're going to bring the most money or you're going to cure cancer not necessarily but when you go you're going to change the world you're going to change people's i guess view of black people and that's what you have to do with because it. it's not all about you it's not about me yeah it's, it's about the trail that you leave behind you leave, right okay let's Ooh. uh these these guys are they're uh they're cooking they're cooking they look good 
All right. Oh, I'm so glad there's no egg in this. That's the other thing. I you don't like eat. eggs? I hate <laughs> eggs. I can't do it. So as we are um, popping these out of the oven, I want to pop a topic yes. out of my head. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Cheesy segue of yes. the night. Um, reverse racism. Yeah. Talk to me about reverse racism yeah. is it real mm -hmm. where does it happen can it happen does it happen yeah what's the deal so i had a whole session on this called are you racist um it was last year while i was still in the same position um external vice president and it was something that i just really had laid on me because dear white people had just come out Mm. And so the whole controversy of are black people racist? Can mm -hmm. you be just as discriminatory to white people as you can? Black people, that whole kind of debate sparked up. Yeah. And so it was important to me to educate my own community on it and other activists that want to claim that they know so much about what's going on. And so reverse racism, like I said, I'm an academic. I really like to do research behind this. And there's lots of researchers who have done this topic from many different perspectives, no matter which way you're sitting on it. And so from my perspective and what I've learned from it, especially through experience and through being in NAACP, mm -hmm. I've seen that, and what I taught on in the session is that to be racist means to have the power structure to inflict not just that person, but anybody that looks like them and their kids. That's the easiest way I can put it. It's to inflict generational wealth. It's to change how that generation to the next will will navigate their space. And that so is racism. That is racism. Okay. Right? So the only way, hypothetically, for a black person, let's say this one black person to be racist, um, would be... Um, an example like we talked about before there's a white couple that wants to go into housing one the entire structure the company that owns the company the company that owns the company all has to be owned and operated by one color by by black people let's mm -hmm. just use black a black and a white couple by the whole the whole institution is run by black people. sure and they discriminate that couple solely based off the fact that they're white these are white people we can't give them to nothing too nice we're going to put them at the bottom mm -hmm. and they're not really going to have, you know, that many resources because we need to protect ourselves, whatever the reason is. Sure. And so now that the, that couple, whenever they go anywhere else to try and get more housing, it continues to be the same thing. Yeah. And it's the same that one kind of color inflicting that on that couple to the point to where their kids can no longer find housing. Mm -hmm. Their kids are struggling at school now. Their kids mm -hmm. are not in areas where there's healthy food, all these other kind of stuff. It's affecting them to the point to where now their kids, when they become parents, their kids are going through the same thing. So that's hypothetically the, the, re the reverse racist kind of example. But I feel like now that we live in this kind of sphere where everybody's claiming everyone's a racist, it's really important to understand that we're humans at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And to have empathy no, means to know that you shouldn't be calling someone something that you don't have proof to back it up. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't be calling them something that you wouldn't like your mother or someone else to be called. You shouldn't mm -hmm. call it something that you know is a derogatory term. It's just, it goes with being a human. You should treat someone how you want them to be treated. Mm -hmm. So is a black person running up to a white person calling them a derogatory slur necessarily racist? I think in that context, if their sole reason is because they hate white people and I want you to know that I do not like you because you're a white person, mm -hmm. they're acting racistly. They're acting like a racist. 
Now, will that white person's entire family be affected by me running in and calling you a derogatory slur? No. Mm. But is my day going to be thrown off? You know what I mean? <laughs> was I expecting that just as much as a minority wouldn't expect it? You, you shouldn't necessarily expect someone to be okay with it simply because they're of the other race or because I'm black. I have, I kind of have that right to say this because sure. y'all have been saying it. Whatever. Once again, it's all sure. about context. You can't, you don't know what that white person, what, what necessarily they've been through. You don't know if they're ignorant to the fact that they have privilege. You don't sure. know where they grew up and you don't even know if they, if they have had the time to be sat down and taught to what it is to really, really, really be a well-rounded human being and not be racist. At the same time, it's not my job to run up to all races and teach them what it is to not be a racist. Yeah. You know, you should kind of, through social kind of experiences, know what it means to not offend another person. But at the same time, I just feel like everything in our kind of society has lost its empathy. I, there was this shirt that said, make empathy great again. And I just would love that so that we can get back to the point of hearing each other's opinions, hearing each other out. And kind of dispelling the worst thing off the table. Not yeah. necessarily being like, this person doesn't understand what I'm saying, so they're obviously racist. But seeing it as, this person doesn't understand where I'm coming from, probably because their family's really ignorant, probably because of the place that they come from. And if I immerse them into things that I do and they're not disrespectful about it, then maybe a year from now, they'll be a better thinking person than before. Because I wasn't always the way I am now. Mm -hmm. And I'm thankful that when I made homophobic jokes and that when I made colorist jokes to my dark skinned friends and when I said those things, that those people had it in their heart to say, Taylor, that's really not funny. And I'm going to tell you why. And I'm going to explain to you how this affects me in these ways. And if they didn't sit down and have that conversation with me, I wouldn't be where I am now to the point to where I see how dumb those things are to say. But if you don't even get introduced to the fact that those things are offensive because you don't even you've never even met someone who looks different than you. I feel like people should always be approached with empathy until they give you a reason not to give it to them. <laughs> until you have to take it back. So diversity and inclusion doesn't suck. No. But the system that, <laughs> that gives us reason to emphasize diversity and inclusion does. does so, yeah, yeah. And that's the issue here. What, other than diversity and inclusion as a whole, yeah. what Taylor doesn't suck? What doesn't suck? What doesn't suck is voting. Voting doesn't suck. So being the external <laughs> vice president of NAACP, I feel like I cannot push more and more how important these midterm elections are. No matter which way you swing, no matter what is your opinion, my job is to ensure that you have the right and that you can inflict your right to vote and you can do it in a way that is comfortable to you and that will allow you to make your best pure decision. I want to implore you to, to go to your sites, to go online and to just look up who is running. Just look up who's running for the midterm elections. Take two seconds. Look it up. Go to their websites. Just look over their mission statements. Look over their mission statements. Look over what they do. Go to their Facebook and see if they actually are doing those things, if they're talking to the people. Um, and just try and get out and vote. 
I think the main thing that people really didn't understand from this last election is we had one of the lowest voter turnouts ever. And we've had one of the lowest voting turnouts as a democracy for a long time, simply for the fact that voting, if you think it doesn't work, it clearly does because there's so many systems built up to try and prevent you from going to vote. So to say that my vote doesn't count, you know, a third party's this and this is that and the electoral college and all those things, yeah, those things suck. We know, we know, they suck and we want to change them. But sitting on your couch and complaining about it or watching other people go to the polls, polls who clearly don't have the same views as you and not encouraging your grandma and your friend and your colorist dad and your racist grandma in the back to come with you and to vote and to vote the way that they see that they see fit and so that they can actually put through whatever they want. Obviously, if they're problematic, you need to help them out. But we have to start encouraging our families to vote. The only way that we can change our environment is to get, it's a, it's a community effort. I was watching um, my next guest with David Letterman, mm-hmm. um, and he was, of course, talking to Obama. I love the Obamas. And Obama was saying, yes, one farm worker didn't vote because he said, I'm a farm worker, and that's not going to vote. But what happened when you got a million farm workers together? And they said, you know what? We all kind of had the same idea. What would happen if we all showed up and voted? And you saw the implications of what happened from that. Voting is power. Voting is the way to, for you to voice to voice your opinion and voting is one of the only ways that you can prove to all those old people that you don't like or that say that you have no opinion or that you don't know what you're talking about that you do imagine getting the person that you wanted into the senate into the house that you've always wanted and then you can prove to them that you were right all because you went to your local library and voted so look it up learn about it Figure out what you can do in your area to encourage not only yourself to vote, but encourage people that make you uncomfortable, people that you don't know. Get them registered to vote and bring everybody out. Have a picnic. Do whatever you need to do, but go out and vote. It is important. Do it. If you don't share this video, share this message. Share what we talked about. Share these ideas because these ideas are what change the hearts and minds of the people around us. Not everything sucks and we are really glad that we got to talk a little bit about why